last bar has. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this tremendous privilege, this honor, this opportunity to gather together as family in the unity of the faith, Father. May we never become familiar with it. Father, thank you for the inspired word of God. Thank you for sanctifying us. Thank you for saving us daily. Thank you for setting us apart, making us holy for your purposes. Thank you for loving us. We love you because you first loved us. Father, thank you for shining light on the gospel, the truth of it, the starkness of it. Thank you for giving us a repentant heart. We pray, Father, for those not with us this morning that desire to be here with us. We pray that they understand that our hearts are with them. That we're praying for their return. Your will be done, of course. Father, we pray also for those lost in this world. That their arrogance be put aside. And that humility brings them to a place where they're crying out for our Lord and Savior. That the Spirit convict them in that process. If your will be done, that we have the privilege of partaking and evangelizing them even. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make an a morning like this even a reality. What an honor. What a magnificent day. We just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Again, carry on, soldiers. The good Lord isn't just watching. He's helping every one of us, and that's been sort of the closing theme, uh, at least from my perspective. Go to James 1.17. This is where we began on Thursday evening. James 1.17, a wonderful place to start, frankly, every day with this kind of a thought. James 1.17. As we were noting this past week, um, there's just so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. I mean, just think about the moment in time that you've been given right now. Just dwell on that. Just, you're, you've just sort of, you know, sharpened your knives and got ready for a nice, I don't know if everybody does that when they get ready to eat. I hope not, especially not in public, but, you know, getting ready for like a, you know, a succulent meal, you know what I mean? It's awesome. Amen? I mean, you're not thirsty, you're not hungry. And we just take it for granted sometimes. And that's all he's saying. He's saying, look at all the little things. I mean, relatively speaking, you're healthy. As you've been growing in his grace and knowledge, you're more content, more at peace than ever in your life, hopefully. You've understood the base things in this world and the base things in the spiritual life and how they compare and how God shames the wise and uses the so-called 
foolishness or the silly things of the world to bring glory to himself. And if you're confused, you know that the silly things, that's you. James 1.17, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. I wrote a blog this week titled, Man Wrote It, But God Authored the Bible. And that is not a little thing. The focus has been, at least in part this past week, on remember the little things. But this, my friends, is not a little thing. This is the whopper. This is the, the gift of gifts, if you would, um, after his son, I guess you could say. The revelation, the special revelation to mankind, the, the holy Bible. And so this blog, man wrote it, but God authored the Bible. It couldn't have come at a more timelier place in our lives. For I had a long back and forth with some folks, and I know some of you have been through this, continue to go through it. It could be family, could be friends, could be, I don't know, work, could be people you run into. I don't know, but these kinds of back and forths go on all the time, not just with me, but I'm sharing. I had a long back and forth with some folks on a social, a social networking site about the fact that true Christianity, the one that Jesus represents, is not the same as Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic version. It's not the same. And people were offended. I'm like, why are you offended? Just call a spade a spade. It's not the same. So stop trying to make it the same. Because it's not. And it was just like long back and forth. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church has a different Bible. They use a different Bible than we do. A lot of people don't even realize that. They have a different Bible than the one inspired by God the Holy Spirit. For example, the so-called Catholic Bible, or Roman Catholic Bible, has several more books than the Holy Bible. And they've also modified existing books in our Bible. But maybe even worse, maybe even worse if there is such a thing, is that the Roman Catholic religion teaches that the Bible is not the final word of God. Just put that into perspective. That's what they teach. That this Bible is not the final word. Put that into perspective. Just a little side note, a little theology proper. There are two types of revelation in theology. General revelation, or natural revelation, refers to knowledge about God and spiritual matters discovered through natural means such as observation of nature, the physical universe, philosophy, and reasoning, so-so and so. Like Romans 1. That's why people are without excuse. And then there's special revelation, which is a direct revelation to an individual or a group. This is what we call special revelation. We look at the mountains, we look at the sunsets, we see God, right? That's a general revelation. This is a special revelation. 
The Roman Catholics, like Joseph Smith of the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses, proclaim extra-biblical special revelation. In other words, they say this is not the only special revelation that God has given. In other words, this is not the final word. This is not the authority. In the case of Roman Catholics, they claim that special revelation is from the so-called church and also the so-called vicar of Christ, a.k.a. the Pope. They say the church and the Pope have authority over this, even. These are heresies, and they are grotesque assaults on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we cannot, my friends, shuffle it aside and say, oh no, you know, we're all Christians. Oh no, we all worship the same God. No, we don't. Our God would never lie to us. Our God would never tell us conflicting stories, do you see? He wouldn't do that. So guess what? Those are two different gods. And you either believe the God of this Bible or you believe the God of choose your religion. But it's not the same God. And I'm the offensive one, and you're the offensive one for pointing it out. I guess that'd be like someone showing up at Thanksgiving dinner and saying, ta-da, we have the same parents, and you don't know who they are. What are you talking about? We have the same parents. That's my father. No, he's not. He is. Because I say he is. Yay! No, don't work that way. That's not your father. Now get out. That's, did you get that? That's what they're supposing. And most Christians are like, okay. If you say so. Here are some Roman Catholic heresies. First, rejection of what we call in Latin, sola scriptura, the Bible is God's special revelation. They reject it, that the Bible alone is the word of God. Number two, Pope is vicar of Christ. Do you know what that means? It says the Pope is Jesus' substitute as the head of the church. Yeah, that's, that's what's in their catechisms. That's what they teach. You, do you understand? God would never ordain this. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? He would never ordain it. You know who would ordain that? Satan, who wants to displace Jesus Christ at every turn. That's why the Pope is evil. How about salvation is not faith alone in Christ alone? That it includes human works for justification, which is why they don't believe that you're saved in time. They believe you have to get to the end of until you die, and hopefully, just hopefully, you're justified by your good works. What does that say about the cross? That it was what? Insufficient. How grotesque is that? And who do you think that is from? Satan, you can say it. These are not little, like, you know, um, 
differences that we can sort of just, you know, eh, you know, you have this difference in your theology and it's some, you know, corner case, you know, this or that or, you know, whatever. You know, this is how you should organize a church and run a church. This is not like that. This is salvation we're talking about. This is the gospel we're talking about. This is not small stuff. These religions, and Roman Catholics are just the biggest one, and they're prominent in this area, so it's obvious why the Spirit wants me teaching these things. But to say salvation is not faith alone in Christ alone, and that there's some substitute called the Pope, and that the Word of God is not the final authority, is to literally abominate everything that we stand for, that Jesus Christ Himself stood for. And we're not supposed to tolerate that. How about purgatory? What is that? Do you know what that is? That's the manifestation of a perverted gospel. To the person who thinks you have to justify yourself by doing human good works to add to the cross so that maybe, just maybe, you're sufficiently justified in your works to get to heaven... If you didn't do enough works in time, then you go to this other place that's halfway between here and heaven. And then you can finish out justifying yourself. And oh, by the way, hopefully, you know, the, thing, the whole process can be accelerated by having people that are still alive pray for you and pay penance. This kind of garbage. What kind of an assault is that on the cross of Jesus Christ. Is that not directly saying it was insufficient? Yeah. These are not the same. These are not the same. Do you understand? Roman Catholicism and the Christianity that Jesus taught are literally at the opposite ends of the spectrum. You may say, oh, but they use the same words and they say they believe in Jesus and, you know, and God the Father and all that stuff. Yeah, and you know what? You know what? As I've taught you many times, the best counterfeits look a lot like the real thing, don't they? What do you expect out of Satan? You think Satan's stupid? You think he's going to try to trip people up with something ridiculous? No, he's going to make it look like the real thing. So that when you go to try to evangelize one of these people, it's really hard. Because they say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in salvation. I believe all these things. What are you talking about? And because of the nuances, you have to go unravel just years of garbage. Anyways. I had one person respond to me in this dialogue that I was talking about, saying that I was being judgmental for calling out the differences between Roman Catholicism and true Christianity. That I was being judgmental. How is that being judgmental? That's like saying, you know, this is a lip balm and this is a doorbell ringer. You're going to get mad? You're going to say I'm judging? Why am I judging? That's not judging. And I, I literally responded. I said, the Lord is the judge. I said, I respect your God-given right to believe what you want to believe. I'm not judging you. It's not my, it's not my role. But I'm certainly going to speak the truth. And if you don't like it and you're offended by it, you have a problem with God, not me. You're the blasphemer of the Spirit. You're not blaspheming me. 
And by the way, no person on that thread actually took offense, who took offense, actually quoted any scripture. <laughs> I believe God's this. That's your viewpoint. No, it's not my viewpoint. That's what the Bible says. They were being subjective. I was being objective. Here's how precious the word of God is to me and hopefully to you all as well. In the inspired words of the psalmist, go to Psalm 119, verse 1. Psalm 119, verse 1. So please, do not be confused or deceived. All of you, listen to me. Do not be deceived into thinking that Roman Catholicism is the same as what we study. Because it's not. It's evil. And some of you are like, oh my God, oh my whole family's Roman Catholic. Yeah? So? You're not judging them. You're calling a spade a spade. It's different. It's not the same. Do you want me to say it's the same? I can't. The Bible says it's not the same. So if it's not the same, stop making room for it. Stop tolerating it as if it's the same God because it is not the same God. Even if the people on the other side of the fence are trying to entice you in. Oh, but it is the same God. No, it's not. Well, then you're just a jackass, and you're just a judgmental person. You're just trying to be a separatist. You're just trying to be better than me. You think that little puny little church up on the hill is so much better than my huge steeples. Don't be fooled, and don't be lulled. Don't be an idiot. Have some gumption. You're supposed to be a soldier, remember. Pick up your gun. Put on the full armor of God. How about that? Use the word of God to defend what you believe. Psalm 119.1 How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Remember the law of the Lord is the word of God. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. That's all I want to know. I just want to know the truth. That's all I want to know. And if someone says it's not the truth, then can we just call a spade a spade? That's all I'm interested in. All this extra work, and you know, I, I'm not, you typically don't call out other religions by name. But for whatever reason, he's got me calling this one out by name. But I want you to know, I'm not interested in judging anyone or personally condemning anyone. It's like I said at the close of this back and forth that I had. I just want everybody reading this to know that these are two different religions. There's a true religion and there's a false religion. There's the one of the Holy Bible and then there's one of many others. 
that just happens to have prominence in this area. But they are not the same. They are not authored by the same God. One is authored by the true God. One is authored by the God of this world. They are not the same God. They're not even the same gospel. And they're certainly not the same Jesus. Because if they were the same Jesus, then Jesus Christ himself was a double speaker. This is what they want you to believe. That Jesus Christ double spoke. That he was dipsukos. Double-minded. Wouldn't that be contradicting himself? Jesus Christ was God as much as he was man. 100% in both directions. You know what? God cannot lie. Why would he try to lie to you and then confuse you and say, oh, well, I gave one special revelation to the Muslims, one to the Catholics, and one to you Christians. Oh, and there's one also for the Jews over here. I gave special revelation about me in different ways, but it's all me, you see. No. Because for these two things to be able to synergize, he would have to be a liar. And God can't lie. On Thursday, we read another part of this chapter worth reiterating up here on the board. Psalm 119, 103 to 105. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Do you see it? Do you see it in this vessel? I hate every false way. Hate it with a passion. And I'm not going to tolerate it. And I think the older I get, you know, like, you know, like old people, their filters just go, you know what I mean by filters? Stuff comes out of their mouth, they just say stuff. It's like, Grandma, you can't say that. I can now because I'm like 90 and nobody cares anymore, right? I got no filter. I see it happening. Like, I used to be a little bit more reserved, and the older I get, the more intolerant I am. Like, I'm kind of like, no, I'm not standing for it anymore. I don't care who's in my family, or in my in-laws, or in my workplace, or in, with my friendships. I don't care anymore. Why? Because it's offensive. Utterly, viscerally offensive to my soul that someone wants to hijack my Lord. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You want to know how to walk straight in this world? A light to my path speaks to sanctification and deliverance. Aren't you going to be upset if you, end, if you wake up and what you've learned? I mean, some of you have been through this before you came to the actual truth. Some of you were Roman Catholics. Actually, a lot of you were. Aren't you a little bit, like, PO'd, a little indignant about all the lies that you were taught? I am. You hate evil. You hate every false way. So if you want to walk righteously, this is it. And this is the end of the line. This is the Word of God. That's how you're sanctified. That's how you're delivered and some of you, I guess, shame on you for not picking it up more often. Some of you are like, you write a blog? I'm serious. Some of you, I could call you right now, and if you're honest, you say, I haven't read the last three or ten. Shame on you. One of the primary ways to thwart this in time as believers is to become familiar with the holiness of the Word of God itself. 
to become familiar with the holiness of this. This is holy. Do you understand? Holy. It means it's God's word. It's precious. Some of you are familiar with it. You're like, there's, there's like little coffee rings on it because you're putting your coffee cup on it. Oh, it's, it's on your nightstand. So when, you know, when someone from church comes over, you kind of like dust it off and you put it, put your glasses right here. You put a little highlighter right here. Put it out. It's all for show. You're a fake. You're a phony. That's not funny at all, is it? That's a person who's come, become familiar with the holiness of the Word of God. When we do that, we walk by the flesh, not by the Spirit. For the Spirit will always testify about the Word. Up here on the board, John 15, 26, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. That's right. He will testify about me. God the Holy Spirit will always testify about the Word. To testify about Jesus is tantamount to testifying about the Word, for they are the same. So again, to get familiar with the holiness of the Bible is to walk by the flesh, not by the Spirit. And when we do that, the inevitable outcome is walking back towards bondage. That is not deliverance. This is deliverance. We get familiar with the holiness of the, uh, of the word. Freedom is on the other side of familiarity. You want to be delivered? Stop being familiar. That's what he's saying. He's waking you up. Why? Because this is what I love about the Bible. This is what I absolutely love about the Bible. It's self-authenticating. I love it. And if someone doesn't understand it, that means they're maybe not saved. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the word of God. So here's the Spirit's guidance on this. Hence the blog and all that our recent lessons have included up here on the board. Set your minds on the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. It is absolutely holy. I mean, stop being familiar with that very thing. One last reading from the psalmist. Go to Psalm 119.57. Psalm 119.57. Psalm 119.57 The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. That's the value of the Word of God in our lives. You should hasten without delay to keep His commandments. If He says study the Word of God diligently, then do so. If He says to submit to those in charge over you, like me, then do so. 
If he says, receive the word implanted, the grace that I've given you in your life, then receive it, including getting lessons, reading the blogs. And I don't just mean go like this, okay, baldy. <laughs> Speed reader, 30 seconds. Unbelievable. That is not meditating on the word, is it? No, most of you meditate. Some of you meditate hours in front of a computer screen. I don't want to know what doing what. Or in front of a PlayStation or an Xbox. And you don't even read the blogs. Or you don't even come to class. Some of you are coming. This is what I see. You ready? It's like, yeah, yeah. Church used to be open like four or five times a week. Then we went down to like three. So I'll go two. Then we're open like two, I'll go one. Do you, you see what I'm saying? Some of you like used to be really faithful, and then all of a sudden it's like this. Ratcheting it down. No more Bible studies. What have happened to those? How many people even show up to the general one? Like percentage-wise, 10%? Maybe? Yeah. 5%? 10%? Maybe 15 20% on a good night? To the Bible studies? What happened there? Why don't people, what is that? What? If you have the audacity to say, I don't get anything from it, let's have a little chat after class. It won't be pleasant, but we'll have a little chat about where your priorities are and how self-absorbed you are. How about the blogs? Only you and the Lord know whether or not you put any meditation whatsoever into the blogs. Why'd you stop reading them? Some of you pick and choose on nights. You can get here, but you don't. What's going on with you people? Same people have slacked in their financial giving to the church. What's going on with people? That's what I want to know. What's going on with people? Where's your fervency for the Lord? I would argue you are not hastening after. You are not chasing diligently what's in this book right here. You are chasing your own selfish lies. And you're tolerating people like Roman Catholics in your lives and going, oh yeah, it's all the same God. And you're tolerating other religions and false religions and atheists and agnostics and all kinds of sin in your life, part of which you're involved with personally. That's where the degradation comes in. Oh, but I have work. No, you chose that job. You chose that workplace. You chose that lifestyle. Nobody forced you to work on Sundays. Nobody forced you to work at night. Nobody forced you to work so much you have no business whatsoever with any kind of meditation whatsoever, taking in the Word of God, if you really can't make it for some reason. This is what I know. The Word is the source of deliverance in our lives. If you're unwilling to take it in because your life is more important to you than the Word of God, and the Word is what saved you, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He is the Word. If your life is more important than your Savior, then what do you want a guy like me to tell you? As we've learned over the past few months, it's within the pages of the Holy Bible that we receive encouragement, such as, look at this was 69 parts. 
The apostles are encouraging. Why? By grace they were prepared. 69 parts. That's 69 hours. And that's only 69. I think just put this in a perspective. And I've taught you this before. It's like one of those just add water pills. If it takes me hours to prepare this lesson, how long are you gonna how long is it gonna take for you to unravel it? Seriously. If it takes me hours to stuff it into a little capsule, a little time release capsule, how long is it gonna take you to unravel it? How long? A lot longer than an hour, right? Hours. It's one of the things. I'm glad DJ just spoke up. You're going to hear from him in a little bit. But it's one of the reasons I call DJ regularly during the week. Because I know he does that very thing. I know he digests it and mulls it over and prays on it and digests it. And on occasion, even probably listens to the lessons more than once. If he's confused about something. But this is what I know. The Word is the source of deliverance in our lives. That's a fact. Here's what we've learned. I mean, the apostles lacked understanding, humility, faith, commitment. We learned, look at all the scriptural references, and those are just like capstone references. There was lots of work in between. Those are our launching pad verses and passages, if you would. But we were encouraged. Why? By going to Scripture. That's how you're encouraged. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad week. You're having a bad life. (laughs) Go to the Word of God. Confused about your future? Go to the Word of God. Confused about some decision in your life that you have to make that's like, you know, looming over you? Go to the Word of God. It's incredible. And I was thinking about this, and, and put this in proper perspective, in the extremist sense too of the unbeliever, but also a person you know is struggling that's a believer. But mostly the unbeliever at this point, a fleshly person. Look at this up here on the board. You ready? The apostles lack these things, right? Put this in perspective. I need you to concentrate. I need you to think about how a religious person might think. A fleshly person will not be encouraged at all with what's on the board. I say, what? The apostles lacked understanding, humility, uh, faith, commitment, power? Those are the apostles? A fleshly person will not be encouraged with what's on the board. They will view such things as detrimental shortcomings. Why? Because they are on a different basis for works. Concentrate. Such is the nature of the system of thinking we call creature credit, where man is tasked with earning merit with God. In other words, if you're on that system of thinking, this is unnerving to you. That person wants, you ready? That person, and think of the religions that are built up around the flesh, even though they call themselves Christians, 
That person wants the apostles to be 50-foot-high statues, larger than life. They want the apostles to be that way, because to that person, if the apostles are weak, how in the world will they ever impress God? If the apostles couldn't do it, and i got to like justify myself before it gets too late, and the apostles were weak, how in the world am I ever going to measure up? They don't like this news at all. Wrong system of thinking. Do you see it? If not, listen to the lesson again. You see, someone like a Roman Catholic, I'm talking about a practicing one, wants there to be heroes in the Bible, not regular people. Do you see what I'm saying? They want there to be heroes. They don't want the apostles to be regular people. That's bad news to them. Because if the apostles were just regular folk, where does that leave you? And if you're trying to climb this ladder, man, you're starting off way down here. That's not good news for a religious person to find out that the apostles were just regular people that were actually very weak in every area of life, just like us, and needed the grace of God to deliver them. They don't understand passages. Go to 1 Corinthians one twenty six. 1 Corinthians 1.26. They don't even understand these kinds of passages as if they were reading their Bibles. Because most don't. I mean, come on. Some of you don't even read your Bibles in here. After all, it's been taught. Imagine if you're just in some religion that actually encourages not reading your Bible for the most part. 1 Corinthians 1.26. I mean, why would you read the thing that's not even the final say anyways? Why would you read the Bible if the Bible's not the last word? If, you know, infallibility is for the Pope and for the church. Why, why read the Bible without any regularity? Just listen to these people that say they're infallible, even though they change every few decades, which completely undermines the whole definition of infallible. 1 Corinthians 1.26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. To say that you have any merit in you, that you were born good, able to add to the cross is despicable. But that is exactly what so many religions propose. A devout Roman Catholic will not understand such passages. In fact, they will be unnerving to them because Scripture clearly states that God uses weakness in humans, not strength. It's unnerving to them. Why? Because they're on a different system of thinking. They're on a treadmill that says human strength is where it's at. Human merit is where it's at. 
Paul wrote about this elsewhere also. Go to 2 Corinthians 12.9. 2 Corinthians 12.9. These things are unnerving to a religious person. Unnerving, unsettling. Strips them of creature credit, of any, what, hope of justifying themselves in time. 2 Corinthians 12.9, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's, the, that's antithetical to Roman Catholicism at least in terms of salvation. It's antithetical. Because somehow you've got to dig deep, my friends. You've got to dig deep. Go find that strength somewhere to prove your worth. Prove you're worthy of making it all the way to heaven. Prove yourself. And if you can't do it, well, there's always purgatory, so you can go there for a little while. That's not weakness at all. That's human strength trying to grab the reins from Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. That's what that is. And it's grotesque. Okay, enough about the RCs for now. I hope you get the point. We're living in an area, you realize, I mean, we're literally enveloped in this garbage. And I know for a fact that a good portion of you have relatives and loved ones that are steeped in the religion. But you would not ever come to this church and expect lies. I'm going to teach the truth. Like I said, I'm not here to judge anybody. I don't judge a single person I've even thought about since I've, made, since I've talked about Roman Catholicism. Woo, Roman Catholicism. It's not about, it's about truth. It's not about me throwing stones at anyone. I pray for these people. My heart breaks for people that are deceived like this. Willingly, in most cases, deceived like this. Because whenever I talk to them, they don't want to hear the truth. That's called arrogance. I hope you get the point. At the end of the day, we must, we must protect and defend the veracity and sovereignty of Holy Scripture. As Peter wrote, go to 1 Peter 3, 12. 1 Peter 3, verse 12. And by the way, I should not be the only one. My job is to equip you for service. Right? I'm the training command in the army speak. You go to me, you get trained. For what? To go out to war. I shouldn't be the only one standing up for the gospel, for the truth. 1 Peter 3.12 For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Think about that. What's the worst that's going to happen? I probably lost, I don't know, some more friends. I don't, I don't care. 
Because Jesus Christ himself said, I didn't, look, I came to divide. I'm not going to unify people who denounce me with my own sheep. That's like bringing wolves into the, the pen. I'm not going to do that. I didn't come here to do that. I came to divide families even. Some of you are like, yep, that's exactly what's happened in my own. Join the club. Think you're alone? This is your family. Remember what Jesus said? Someone said, hey, Jesus, here's your mother and your, your siblings. No, 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 no. These are my, this is my mother and my siblings, my brothers and sisters. And he, all right, brother. These are them. So who are you going to orient with? Who are you going to be with? Who are you going to defend? Who's going to harm you? Big deal. They give you some religious guilt trip. Oh, grandma's going to be looking down on you. He's going to be so disappointed in you. No, grandma's probably looking up in the first place. Sorry. Sorry. Grandma was evil, just like the Pope. Hard to swallow? Too bad. I didn't make the rules. God did. You got a problem with that? Talk to God. But you'd have to open up your Bibles to actually talk to God. You'd have to stop playing religion yourself, some of you, to talk to God, to hear the voice of God in your own life. You'd have to stop being a phony and coming to church on Sundays and playing pretend and putting a buck in the thing back there, if at all. You'd have to stop all that nonsense to even know what I'm talking about to even understand the persecution, to even begin to understand the persecution, even one iota that Jesus Christ went through. They killed him. And you're worried about what? Your parents? Your grandparents? Your aunts? Your uncles? What are you worried about? Losing a reputation? Some merit points at work? Being embarrassed at work? Being embarrassed at college? Your girlfriend? Your boyfriend? Whatever the problem is? What's wrong with people? What is this? Who's to harm you? Who are you going to fear? The holy God of the universe or your friends? Who are you supposed to be fearing? For being zealous, for doing what's good? For standing up for the one truth in this universe? And you're going to fear what? Well, I can't get my super-duper Zelda score on Xbox if I'm studying this thing. And I lose my reputation with my Dungeon and Dragon friends online. And I can't let that happen. Oh, trust me, when I'm saying that, I'm talking about all you Grand Theft Auto idiots. And all you first-person shooter morons. Because that's no different than Dungeon and Dragons idiots and morons. That's you. Some of you spend entirely too much time away from the Word of God. Invested in what? What? What are you worried about? You prove to, to what? You worried about harm? For being zealous for what's good? Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. What are you afraid of? But sanctify, sanctify set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. 
He's the one you're supposed to be protecting. Not your little pathetic life or your relationships. He's the first priority in your life. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. What does that mean? Some people are like, oh, you, need, you mean you have to walk in with pink bow ties in your hair because that's gentleness. No, that's not the gentleness that he's talking about. It means with reverence. Gentleness to the situation does not, look at, gentleness does not mean you're going in judging people and pointing fingers and spinning venom. You're telling them the truth. Go ahead and tell them the truth. You don't have to be a wild animal. You don't have to be offensive. You don't have to make anybody stumble. If the truth makes them stumble, so be it. But you don't try to, what, even convince somebody of the truth. Just give them the truth. That's what it means to be gentle, with reverence to the word. That means you don't run up to people and shake them. Listen to me! I mean, you feel like it, right? You do. You really do. You feel like, listen to me! That's not gentleness. That's kind of violent. So there, if there's any, look, I wrote a blog on this. Yeah, I write blogs. About three years ago, probably, called uh, Pure Violence. And it was the violence of the word, or the world against the word. True violence is the world, the audacity of the world, or any religion taking pot shots at this or the cross. That's true violence. Do you understand what true violence is? True violence often will be sitting at your Thanksgiving table with a smile on its face. But they are utterly violent towards the truth. That's true violence. You know why? Because the result of not accepting that truth means eternity in the lake of fire. You tell me what's more violent than that. You want violence? Go with God. Look after the wrath of God. Oh, God is just loving and kumbaya. And... Really? Read the second half of Romans 1. It starts with the wrath of God. So you have to always be ready to make a defense for what you believe. Do you believe that God is sovereign or not? Do you believe that this is the inspired word of God or not? Or do you want to tolerate all kinds of funny business? Another Jesus, another gospel from another spirit. Is that what you're interested in? Verse 16, and keep a good conscience. How's your conscience feeling right now? <laughs> Some of you are like, not so good. Yeah, not so good. Just spent last night with a bunch of morons. Ship of fools? Spend your time with a ship of fools? Guess what you become? A fool. So says the word of God. <gasps> yep, sorry. Keep a good conscience. So that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. Some of you are like, oh, well, that means I have to give up my relationships. Okay, it is better, you ready? If God should will it so, because what business has righteousness with Belial, believers with unbelievers? 
It is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Yeah, there you go. Forget this, you ready? Who suffered more than Christ? And he was perfect. You're over there whining about, oh, I'm going to lose my relationship to kids do this. It's like no fun. For Christ also died. Did you forget that? In your petty little tantrum? Did you forget that? Oh, you'll take his death, his atonement, for all your sins, but you won't have any repentance for being a moron, for making bad choices, for premeditating garbage in your life. This is what we're getting to. No wonder you're hanging around with idiots. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. We ended on Thursday with a little reflecting up here on the board. When we're weak, we are strong. We need his power to bring glory to him through the spreading of the gospel. That was sort of the capstone. We need his power. It was the last bullet, you remember? We need to be consistently fed so that we're not emaciated. Emaciated people don't have any strength. Filled people with the word and the spirit, they have strength. To do what? Bring glory to God. How? Spread the gospel. What do you think I'm doing right now? Why do you think it's so offensive to your flesh, some of your fleshes? It's offensive, isn't it? Because I'm talking about your loved ones, your parents, your, your kids, your grandkids. I'm talking about them and you know it. Better yet, the Spirit is through me. So stop looking at me. So that's the big picture perspective the Spirit left us with upon completing the 69th part of the series, Why the Apostles So Encouraging by Grace They Were Prepared. So please take the time to chew on these lessons, especially the point on the board. I want to read one last passage that I didn't get to in closing on Thursday. It's a lovely passage that Paul wrote at the end of his great dissertation on the gospel itself and salvation. Go to Romans 15.1. Romans 15.1. Let's just read it together. And then I'm going to invite Deacon Johnson up here to speak with you. Romans 15.1. right after chapter 14. <laughs> Romans 15:1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God, 
For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who rises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about, as far as Illyricum, excuse me, Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That was Paul's attitude. Do you see it? That was his heart. He just wanted to know Christ and Him crucified. He just wanted everybody else to share in that joy and that peace and then spread the good news. And hold fast to the truth, not another gospel, the gospel of God, the one we find here, not the one that other religions are trying to, you know, ecumenically include us in. Go, let's all just get together like this. Not that one. That's garbage. This one, the one that's really and truthfully offensive to the world. This is offensive, and if you stand for this, you, my friends, will be offensive to your Roman Catholic buddies and families, to your, all your other religious people, to your agnostics, to your Muslims. To your, you're going to be offensive. They're going to lie to you. Oh, no, no, I accept you if you accept me. Sorry, don't work like that. But Jesus was loving and tolerant. Not of that. So where does this leave us? You tell me. Where does this leave us? Do you have a renewed appreciation for the apostles? Or maybe even more so for God, what he did through them? Do you have a deeper love for the one who has saved you? The one that continues to do so by grace through faith? Do you give thanks more often now than ever? knowing how very patient our Lord has been with you. And then how about your prayer life? Has it increased? These are just a few of the things that we all ought to be thinking about. And as I promised, at this point, I want to uh, step down. I'm just going to take a seat. And I want to invite... 
our head deacon, Deacon Johnson, to speak about his own life and the things that are going on and how the 69-plus parts of these lessons have affected him in his own walk. Deacon Johnson? Morning. Thank you. Oh, let me get this here. Holy Spirit gave me a tough act to follow. As you heard this morning, a lot of information came through this vessel. A lot of truth came through this vessel. When he opened this morning, he grabbed his Bible, held it up, and he said, This is truth. And that's what the Spirit wants to bring through me. First of all, I want to thank God and His Son and His Holy Spirit for making life a reality. You might have to bear with me. I want to thank the Holy Spirit for making these studies come to life in my own soul. I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity and the privilege to stand behind this pulpit. I don't think people realize what a privilege it is to stand behind an ordained pulpit of the Word of God. And I want to thank the congregation for the privilege to address you in this manner. Thinking about what the apostles lacked going over things in my own soul through prayer and meditation, through the word coming from the pulpit. And I kind of put myself in that position. What's Todd lack? What's DJ lack? First, I lack understanding. How do I get it? It comes from the wisdom that comes through this pulpit, from the Holy Spirit, through this vessel. And it comes from a relationship with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of that is a gift, just like the Word of God is a gift. Ephesians 3, 4 states, whereby when you read, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ. When you read your Bible, you take in the mind of Christ. There's nothing better in this world. There's nothing that has more stability in this world Humility. We all lack humility, especially me. What does humility come from? It comes from submitting to the Word of God. That is the true power and the authority in this universe. That is also a gift. Faith. I lack it. You lack it. Where does it come from? It's given by God, it's a gift. We can't do any of this on our own. Matthew 8, 26 states, And he said unto them, Why are you fearful? Fear is the antithesis of faith. O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the seas. And there was a great calm. The power of the word of God can control the universe. We have that within our own soul. I see that faith. 
coming from you. I see it coming from Pastor. I see it coming from my dad. As you know, he's dying of cancer. He was a man of faith. That's the only thing that gets him through. That faith that he has from the Word of God. The gift of the Word of God. We have that. Not everybody has that. Take it. Run with it. Love it. Pursue it. And that gives you commitment. The apostles lacked it. I lack it. You lack it. It comes from the word of God that washes over you on a daily basis. The commitment that you have to him and his word will get you through anything. Sicknesses in the family, relationships, going out and giving the gospel and getting punched in the face because the world doesn't want to hear it. Your commitment to that through faith that's given by Jesus Christ and his Father, through the power of the Spirit, will get you through anything. The last one is power. We have none. Humans like to think that we're in control. Me and Pastor joke about this. It's all about control. It is not. It's about the power that comes from the Word of God, the power that comes from Jesus Christ dying on the cross, for the sins of the entire world and bringing that gospel out to a lost and dying world because that's the only thing that will save them. When you have somebody dying, I've never been through it before. It's close. Some of you have and you've experienced it. And you can see the power and the faith that brings them through, that they know where they're going. They know that what they've done their entire life means something. When their witness is witnessing to people as they come into the home and people can't figure out why they're comforted, why they have joy, why they have peace when they're on their dying bed. I see it, I know what it is, and I want more of it. And that's what I want for all of you. I want you guys to understand that there is no peace, there is no joy without him and his son, the word of God. It's, a, it's an amazing life. And the older we get, the more we understand, the more conviction we have, the more audacity to go out and just speak truth and we don't care what's said about us, what friends we lose, what people say about us, what people think about us because it's all about Jesus Christ and his work and the gospel. That's what we want for you. That's what this pulpit brings out to you to equip you to bring it to a world that is just wretched I want to close out this with Ephesians 2.8 this verse has always been a staple for me 
For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. The gift that he's talking about is the grace and the faith and the salvation. It's nothing that you do. And he gives it to you through this book that we're blessed. Our socks are blessed off and we don't even know it. We don't even open it sometimes. I do it. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. But a lesson like this morning where the Holy Spirit works through a vessel and just tells you, come on, people, let's, let's get it together and let's understand what true life is about. Life is about worshiping the Savior of the universe and trying to bring truth to others so that they can do the same thing. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing sweeter than that. I'm going to use that as a segue to bring the communion service because that's where we are commanded to remember our Lord's work. So I'd like to use everything that came through this, the service this morning through Pastor the words that I spoke to you this morning and pile them all on top of the communion service so that we can have a celebration of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Could I get some music, Michael? Could the ushers come forward, pass up?
Thank you, gentlemen. Again, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning and give you a piece of my heart and take the words what the Holy Spirit will run with and like Pastor says, mull on them, mull on this morning's message, read the blogs, read your Bible, and you will be set free. Let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord that which he also delivered to me, to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, let us eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup. Also after saying, this is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of his work, let us drink the cup. <coughs> Excuse me. For as often as you <coughs> Excuse me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for the privilege of being able to come together and learn your word so our relationship with you and your son can be strengthened. And as you see fit, give us more faith. And let the apostles be an encouragement to our walk as we know someone has gone before us and paved the way. And as you show us how to act in truth and grace and love as we represent you, Father, as ambassadors to this lost and dying world. And use, may we use the power of your word and the spirit to rest upon. Father, we thank you for all you have prepared in eternity past for us our pastor, this meeting place, the individuals that come on a consistent basis with all their spiritual gifts. May you press upon them the need for consistent giving to keep this wonderful place open to the world. May you give traveling mercies to those who are traveling and may your healing hand come upon all your children as you see fit according to your will. As always, Father, your will be done. We ask all of this in your son's precious name and through the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. <coughs> Thank you.